Welcome back to the Hotbox Heroes, and this is the Combat Corner. Getting into the card, you know, uh, Grasso versus uh, Shevchenko, too. I just want to mention a couple of fights that really pissed me off, really grinded my gears <laughs> before we get into, you know, praising fighters yeah. and, and, and the card overall. Because it was a pretty good card, but uh, I got a couple couple fighters and a couple fights that just kind of grinded my gears, so I got to get it out, you know? First fight, I got the uh, Tracy Cortez versus Jasmine Jasuda Vicious fight. <laughs> Nothing against okay. Tracy. Tracy did her thing. She did what she yeah. said she was going to do. She's the more well-rounded fighter. All props. Um, shout out, Brian. Um, well, not anymore, but whatever. Everything's, you know. Um... You know, she was doing her thing, and, you know, wow. I already, I, as I said before in the breakdown of the fight, bro, like, I just thought Jasmine Jasuda Vicious might just start, you know, breaking her down, walking her down the way she does, right? I agree. And uh, we did see that towards the end of the second, third round, uh, Tracy Cortez started slowing down because everything she was hitting her with it was just were pressure. power shots, and Jasmine was just walking through those shits, you know? But... She pissed me off because, listen, like, she has a chance here to, you know, stay in the rankings, Jasmine Jasuda Vicious, but the way she's fighting is just ridiculous, bro. Like, pick a lane and stick to it. Like, her style is so horrible because she has a great chin and stamina. She Like, she did not slow down in that fight, and she was eating heavy shots, you know? Those are good qualities to have, bro. But otherwise, you're wasting your entire potential, and it pissed me off a lot. Because and and you know it might just be because I got the pick wrong, but with my heart, I just felt angry because this girl needs to she needs to change her camp or something. She needs to implement some wide tie, some clinch work with her slow ass, nasty ass style. You know, if she <laughs> if you're forcing people to the fence and you're just getting beat on on the fence, what the fuck is the point of forcing them to the fence? You know what I'm exactly. saying? Like, you got that hey, long, exactly. tall, plodding style. You're already slow as fuck. Just walk him down to the fence and do some work in the clinch and then go for your takedowns. It, I'm, I guarantee you it's going to be 100% better than what the, whatever the hell you're doing here because this fight was pathetic. You, We see Tracy Cortez slow down. We see you have your opportunity to go. And then at the end of the round, you want to start pulling her hair and shit. Bro, what the fuck are you doing? Hey, yo. at, at the end of the third. Listen, I would have appreciated that if you added some skill and technique on top of that. You didn't do shit. And it, and it was just, it just, it just grinded my gears. Like, I try to be respectful, but it's like at this point in the game, like if you're trying to go up and then you're going to act like you won that fight somehow, you didn't do shit, bro. You walk forward and got beat up off the back foot the entire fight, bro. Pathetic. You need to the work on it. Thing. Get some work. Like, literally, just get some... Go to fucking Thailand or get some good Thai guys. Get to work on that clinch. Get that teep kick. You're mad tall. You, you just... It just grinds my gears when people have these natural advantages and just throw them away and then act like you're supposed to win that fight. Again, all props so, to Chase Cortez. She did her thing. But, yeah, fuck you, Jasmine. You're super vicious. Okay, I, I agree totally with my boy. It's all facts. Um, regardless of, you know, animosity, it's still all facts. And I think what you're trying to get to is the wasted potential we're seeing. And I'm not 
seen a and it, it isn't problem. What have to do is just apply pressure, walk down sick, and just be ready for whatever, whether it's going on the ground or you're trying to stay in the bay. But when you waste your potential like that, you're just in the ring, just like it's one thing you're on the go fighting, you find. But at the same time, you're just in the ring, just lollygagging and just being stupid, making decisions. And at some point, on the fighter, but also weighs on whoever is giving her training camp because did you train all camp? You feel me? So wasted potential is is a crazy thing in the UFC, and I think this card has showed a couple of fights where it all got me aggravated. Where one fighter may be on the winning side. Beats up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's, you know, it's a very. Yeah. But. So, yeah, Jasmine, respectfully, just, you know, go home, better training camp, go to Thailand, take a three month trip out there and just learn something, then come back. Tracy Cortez, you know, the dub. Mm-hmm. But, like, like, even though she had got the dub, you still got stuff to work on. Yeah, both girls have things to work on, but here's the thing. Tracy Cortez, I could see her going to her next fight and fixing these holes. Jasmine yeah, Jesus had I the agree. same problem her, since her beginning of her career, you know? And, it like, you have areas where you're good. Like, she was stinging her a couple times with the one-two, you know? She was doing her thing, and you have this advantage of the stamina and stuff, and it, I, 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 I came off a little personally there. Nothing against her. It's just like, like you said, like a waste of potential. It just oh, kind of it kind of hurts me, you know. You know, it just yeah. It's, so yeah, yeah. It's just I'm not asking her to revolutionize her game. I'm saying at this point, you should have realized my game is this. What can help that? There you go. Like I don't know, a teep maybe. Like trying to force somebody to defense by just walking at them. It's kind of <laughs> ridiculous. But okay, on to my next. Fight. All right, on to yeah. Um, no problem with the fighters here, but uh, the fucking mm. Edgar Sh- Shirez and Daniel Lacerda fight. Oh my god, bro! Oh. And you know what? Because Let's talk about Edgar. The last, the last, oh, probably we did. We talked about Edgar. No win streak for like the longest, right? No, nah, that's Daniel. Who was it, Daniel? Yeah. yeah, they both they both got me tight, bro. What grinds my gears here is that was a hundred percent a choke, bro. And we're listening to the commentators, which we've known to be very biased in the past, who are friends who are going to support each other, trying to spin this narrative because obviously, what's his name, um, Cruz has oh, a yeah. thing for referees oh. ever since he got fucking stopped by Henry Cejudo early. He has a thing <laughs> against the referees. I understand the referees are bad. But to at this point, it's like bro, her that, that was not a no contest, bro. He put his, he he choked him out, bro. And I was rooting for Daniel Lacerda. I picked against him, but I was like, you know, I would like to see him. He's exciting, you know, like that. But Edgar Shirez had him in that guillotine, bro. And at no point, like, I understand relaxing in the position if it's not dangerous. 
At no point would I have my arm out for the ref to see and then drop it suddenly. Why the hell would you ever? What kind of way is that to fucking uh, rest your arm? You know, it's completely ridiculous. And Daniel Lacerda was obviously, you know, he's not going to admit it. But the fact that you just went with him, like him being mad that he got stopped, that, that has nothing to do with it, bro. Mind you, before his arm went limp, it looked like he was about to tap. He, he put his arm out like he was going to tap the arm. Then he dropped it completely. What else is the ref supposed to think? Even if he wasn't exactly. going to get put out, what is the ref supposed to think when you go limp with your arm after he just checked it? I mean, come on. It's bad moves. It's bad interplay. Ain't like... So we all understand, and hopefully for the fans too, they understand that. Grappling as a whole, it's a... It's Grappling could, could be its own match itself. And when you're in some positions, you feel me? Especially if you got like a, a triangle body hold, you know? It, you know, it, it gets crazy with how much pressure is really applied to your body. So... If you are masterful in where you could tell your certain body part to go limp in that manner, then you're able to overcome whatever situation. But when you just lay flat and just like, as you said, it's not about even just relaxing in the position. It's just about you know, you gotta. You're in the fight. You're in the game. You you gotta be more strategic about how you're placing your limbs and body. You feel me? And maybe he did yeah. go out for like a little two seconds. You know, nobody at the end of the day, we will never know until whoever airs out the truth. Time, like, bro, you can't put yourself in a stupid position like that. You feel me? Yeah, you can't. And you can't blame the ref either, bro. The ref cannot see your head. He can't see how deep that uh, that choke is in. And he asked for confirmation with the hand. That is the worst signal to give to a ref is let your arm go completely limp. Like, put your... Didn't like, know. Relax your arm and put your thumb up or something, you know? But, like, completely limp? What is he supposed to think? Yeah, no. Nah, the ref has to do his job. Yeah. And seeing, and seeing this, you can't blame the ref. But didn't we see, like, a situation like that with uh, his past fights? I'm also one yeah, with uh, Ben Askren. Yeah. Yeah. That kind one. Of, kind of crazy situations. Yeah. That, yeah, that was a wild one too. But this no, one just, it's it just kind of pissed me off because yeah. it's like, just the narrative around it, like, oh, it was the ref's fault. Like, ref pulled him off too quickly. No, when you go limp, the ref is there for your safety. So when he sees your arm go limp, he's going to assume that you're out because why else would your arm go completely limp? You know, exactly. So, yeah. Besides, oh, resting your fucking resting your arm, bro. Get your arm in there and try to peel the hand, fight the hand, bro. Like, exactly. No That's Why would you go limp in that position? That, like, you what, gotta what, be what strategic. That's ridiculous. You gotta be strategic with grappling, and it, it got me tight. Fighters got me tight. Um, some of the calls, especially. Main event call was I'm like yo what the fuck bro. Okay, we'll back into that. Okay. What's the okay? So I got another one. I got a, this is my last one that grabbed my gears until the main event. Um, Fernando Padilla versus Kyle Nelson. Mm. Fernando Padilla, you must be 
a goddamn Neanderthal. I, this guy pissed me off so much. Like, I saw potential in him. He has one of those uh, real lanky power frames, you know, mm-hmm. versus a slow, plodding Kyle Nelson. Um, I think he got around on him. He got around, and then he just completely let it slip because this guy is trying to fight in a phone booth with a guy that he's, like, three inches taller than with a higher reach. He's going in in a phone booth with him, not moving his head at all, um, not using his legs well at all. No, like, barely any teeps, completely, like, no volume against the guy that's going to just keep plodding forward against him. Has an absolutely zero head movement. That guy got clipped with an overhand right, like, five times in a row, bro. And Chin is the menace, bro. Zero. It's... It's so frustrating because I, I like getting my picks right, bro. And 100%, this guy could have won this fight mm-hmm. by just being smart. And he just decided to take the path of most special needs, I'll say. Let me say special oh my needs. God. Let me be, you know, no, politically I correct totally. here. Because, again... Potential is it's insane, especially when you come to the UFC. I understand all fights at regional scenes and I guess other organizations. The UFC, you feel gonna go through your trials and tribulations, but when you get to the UFC, you can't bait up like this, you can't make these stupid decisions. And as a fighter, like bro, you know, only in that. Get me tight. It's just like, what is the reason between the beta? And yeah, I can't blame Kyle Nelson. Kyle Nelson came out with the right game plan. He had to do what he had to do, but you know, what is the situation? Now and I hope to God in future cards we do not see situations like this again, bro. Let's be honest here. This is uh Noche de UFC. The Mexicans got a lot of layups on this card, and you yeah. completely just shit the bed with this one, and it, it pissed me off. Pissed me off. I don't yeah. even want to mention, guys. I went fucking six and five on this card. I'm gonna six be. Honest. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hide it from you guys. I went. It was horrible. A horrible card for me. But it's because of shit like this. You know what I'm saying? We got a ref Beatles. completely. We got the fucking commission or whatever completely fucking me with the fucking uh, Edgar Shires. Got Jasmine Jesus Vicious deciding she just wants to be a walking punching bag. And Fernando Padilla just forgot that he's fucking Skeletor in this fucking weight class. Mad tall for the division decides to fight in the phone booth. But okay. Listen, I'm just yeah, being salty. Nah. I'm just being salty here. That's it. You have the right to be salty. We have the right to be salty because, bro, I understand maybe your training camp, your game plan, like what game plan. I understand that you may think it's it's needed. But previously, is what is needed in this game. And we're just seeing the fold, bro. We're just seeing the folding real life. That's true. That's true. That's what we've been saying from the beginning. It's all about your, uh, how you adapt to the situation. These motherfuckers, exactly. they could have seen in the first round, this isn't working for me. 
but they kept going with the same game plan. So, yeah. Well, fuck that. Let's right. let's hop on to some good things on this card. <laughs> okay. You got any fighters for your on the radar? On the radar, I do want to talk about that. Okay. Just again, you know, he did his thing. He came out. It was beautiful. We said it was going to be a TKO, and it happened. And I like mm-hmm. that. He, he's more about we need to see it on this card. He came in, and he got the job done. Yeah, I had him as my no, spotlight fight. Friend, a word. Yeah, I had him as my spotlight fight because we've seen him for a while. You know, we've seen him for a while, but yeah. his new the, the the new. It's not really evolution because it's the same thing, but his game is just getting so nasty now. We're getting the opponents yes. a little bit higher every time, and the great thing to watching him, in my opinion, is just yeah. just look at him between the rounds of every fight he's fought. And he just see him covered in more and more of his opponent's blood. And I just love it. Like, you just look at him, and he, he comes in with this, like, baby face, curly hair, little Russian guy. And then every single round, you see more and more of his opponent's blood all over him. And it's just beautiful. This guy is a killer. He's, he's just there to hurt you, and it's great to see. Go ahead. Yeah, he's out there to get the job done. I love all his combos. You know, he comes and he gives us the leg kicks. He's he's squaring up and he's not afraid to, you know, he's not afraid in the exchange and he's not afraid to apply pressure. Yeah. Which as a fighter, you definitely need. And he's just showing it. Definitely, I'm very excited to see who his next fights are and what his storyline is going to be because this could be very dynamic for him. Mm-hmm. And then the takedown defense is great. Especially at middleweight. Mm-hmm. Middleweight, he could he could probably shake up the game in the near future, but let's see who he gets matched up with next. Mm-hmm. So right, who you got uh, on the radar? I only got one fight for my on the radar um, fighter on this card, and I got mm-hmm. Raul Rosas Jr. Okay, the kid. I mean, literally the kid. That's the most on the radar you could get with somebody, you know. But um, yeah, coming kid. off a loss, you know, we could see. He he recovered pretty well with his confidence and whatnot. I'm not saying he got a layup too. It's not like this guy was top. Yeah, level, he did. But, uh, you know, we saw a couple areas that might have been dangerous for him with the striking along Lanky Striker. You know, and he came out there and he said, "Let me add another wrinkle to my game." And his striking didn't look bad. I've I've said like watching him earlier, I thought his striking could be a, a major hole. And it still might be, but he has supreme confidence. You know, he was throwing haymakers, and yeah. they were pretty solid. And they landed, and 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 he put him out on the ground. It, um, he did his thing. You know, we it's not like we got to see three rounds of him striking, but it looks a lot more solid than it was before. Yeah, I would definitely say that his game has improved from his last bout. But you know, as you say, it's kind of hard for us to to see this because the layup was there and he executed the layup. So props to him. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, I'm not saying the kid is not good. Don't get me wrong. He's coming in and he's adapting over time. The only thing hindering him might just be his fight experience, but that could only happen in time. Yeah. But I think again, they're going to take you know, their time developing him and stuff. And I think the sky's the limit for him. 
Yeah, hopefully, you know, he doesn't rush in and and chooses who he's fighting. You feel me? He's a little more strategic and just get the job done. And he has confidence. His confidence is really key, I believe. Yeah, he reminds me of like a little Hamza in the division. Mm. Like, he, you know, they both got a little fucked up face or something and they both got the crazy uh, grappling. And then, but on the, because they know their, their grappling is like that, they just fully commit with the strikes. So you're going to have a couple of fights where you see them just starching somebody, you know, even though that's not yeah. the main thing. So I just feel like I just see a little bit of a resemblance there. Like, obviously, Rosas could fight a little bit more often to get more in that Hamza. Like, Hamza, when he first came in, he was fighting like all the time. But in terms of style for me, Raul Rosa Jr. is like a little BJJ type of Hamza in this division. Because he's pretty big, too. I, I agree, totally. He's pretty big. He's really strong. For, I mean... That's welterweight? No, no, no. Well, Hamza's in welterweight and middleweight. And I think this is... Um, bantamweight. Bantamweight, yeah. He looks massive for bantamweight. And this kid is like 18, 19. So, like, he's not even in his full-grown body yet. It's kind of It's kind of crazy to see. Yeah, he's. I wish nothing best for him. You know, hopefully he ups his game, adapts. And Dana, what what you gonna throw at the kid next, bro? Mm -hmm. Let's see. I don't want to see a layup. I want to see some, some throw him in the fire type action. Okay, I'm fine with a layup. I'm fine with a layup because he's coming off that (laughs) loss. You know, build him up some more. Who cares, bro? Like, who cares? He's got time. That's the thing. I'm. But he's the one thing. He's the one saying he wants to be the youngest champ, champ. So I guess if that's what you're asking for, that's what you're going to get is a step yeah. up in competition. I don't mind a slow burn, but that doesn't seem okay. like that's what he wants. But all right. All right. Um, I got a spotlight fight. Mm-hmm. And the spotlight fight was the co-main event, Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Medea. Mm-hmm. Okay, this, this fight, it... So I had Kevin Holland going for the dub. So did I. That's who I picked. And as we seen what happened, it didn't end up that way. So my picks were, were off too. But I only went really hard. Like I put on FanDuel a parlay for Valentina and Kevin Holland to win. Damn. <laughs> and I lost that. Double homicide. So yeah, it was <laughs> 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 Yeah, man. I was down and out. Um, but okay, so let's talk about that Kevin Holland fight now. Do you think I have a question before we analyze and go more in? How do you think Kevin Holland's performance was? Like, did you agree with how that fight ended? Yeah, I, I had it for JDM. Okay, okay, I had it for JDM for sure. Um, I think people are kind of disappointed because it like they thought it would be more of a firefight, but I think both of these men just understood the challenge in front of them. They're both very dangerous, you know. And, um, yeah, I mean, I picked Kevin Holland because I just don't, I just haven't seen enough from JDM. I haven't seen him. I've seen him fight, um, what's his name? Uh, Randy Brown, who was a taller, lankier guy, but Randy Brown doesn't have that Kevin Holland chin, you know? So, but Jack Della, he has solid, like his defense is great in the pocket. Like, like, yeah. Um, the... The defense was solid. I'm not saying Jack Delamedia didn't win, but maybe it's the the inner me that wanted to see that firefight from Kevin Holland. Because he was still fighting back. I think maybe, like, Kevin maybe won the first round. 
and maybe the second. Oh, so you but, had it for Kevin. Yeah, I had it for Kevin because I seen in, in my eyes what I seen was Kevin Holland still trying to apply pressure every round, you know? And I didn't see Delamere crazy like how I thought, but as you said, I guess my bias was I wanted a fight fight. Yeah, plus you had to pick for Kevin, but now when I was looking at it, like, uh, if we're talking about real pressure, like actually applied pressure, I usually would um, look at cage presence and cage control, and JDM was mm-hmm. the one that was pushing him to the fence, and he was landing solid body shots. He just wasn't over committing, which is a smart thing to do with Kevin, because Kevin loves the clinch, you know? Um, oh, yeah, but yeah. When, he, when, he, when he got him, when he got to the to the cage with him he uh he just kept his hands up real wide probably tried uh like and oh he had the sick little hook combo that he threw where his like elbow went fully above his head like it was such a weird hook that he threw uh jdm uh just mm-hmm. to just to just to touch him a little bit like he wasn't he wasn't throwing a lot of power with most most of his shots but he was landing super solid body shots every time he was in the clinch with him and the only area that I thought Kevin Holland really outlanded him on was uh, with those with those leg kicks with the with the side kicks. But I'm not gonna score those side kicks the same way that I do a punch, because the side kick was more just to keep him away from him. It wasn't it wasn't scoring that much to me. Like we are supposed to look at damage here. Both men look very undamaged. Like they you know. But I still have to rank like how hard I think a punch lands compared to a little sidekick to his leg. Like uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna That's take a, a solid body shot. Like he's ripping to the body a couple times. I'm gonna take that over like five fucking little sidekicks, you know? Because at the end of the day, Jack was still uh, applying pressure. But yeah, this is more of a technical yeah. fight, you know? Uh, yeah. So people were disappointed by that. I could see that for sure. For me, I was one of the ones disappointed. I'm pretty sure some of our fans mm-hmm. were disappointed. I wanted to see him go on a title run because it could have been insane for him. I love his fighting style. He's nasty with it. Uh, well, Jack you know Lemay is also actually... nasty with it. But, yeah. like, it's... To me, I guess, in essence, this this looked more like a sparring match for me. Mm-hmm. And but that could happen when it just, you're, you're scared to overcommit. Yeah, you know, I guess that's all right to them because they're both dangerous. Yeah, they're both mm-hmm. dangerous. Yeah. Well, let's see. Jack comes in. Let's see what gets thrown at him because I think he still has some more to prove to us in the battle. And Bro, I don't want to see a wrestler. I don't want to see a wrestler against him. I don't want to see another tall guy. I want somebody. I want a scrapper for him. And they're already talking about giving him Shopkot. Because one thing about JDM is he's not running or ducking anybody. He's saying, I'll fight anybody. He's one of the only people actually calling out Shafkat Rakhmanov. Okay. But I'm not sure if I want to see that, bro. Like, I want to see some you more scraps. Yeah. I want to see some more scraps, you know? And as for Kevin Holland, he has, you know, pointed out that he's not even looking for the belt. So that's kind of one of the reasons that I, I actually like the guy. He just wants to fight. And, you know, this doesn't lower the stock for him at all. Like, this, he's just going to get another fight, probably spark that guy, and then maybe get another win streak and lose one and another one. And I have no problem with that, you know? 
both these guys. I'm very honestly, this might be the opposite of what a lot of people would have thought. I'm happy. I'm happy none of these guys got starched. Uh, because these guys are really some of my top favorite guys at welterweight. Same, um, man. So, yeah. Sorry. Beautiful performances. Um, but I just like that. It was it was sad. Harley on FanDuel, but you know Kevin Holland, bro, just come back better, and we'll see you next time on that. Mm-hmm. So you, got, you wanted more of a fire fight. Yeah, I, I definitely want a fight, fight, and I got one for you. I got one for you right here. Okay, what's the fire fight? My spotlight fight, my last one is Lupi Godinas versus Elise Reed. <laughs> we already Lupi knew she is nasty. She's a little tank with yeah. I like. Wait, bro, these little one ten shorties are just pounding at each other, bro. It's yeah, I th- yeah, I think they are. It's a beautiful. First, I want to say that most of the time in my history of watching and partaking in fighting, the women's fights some of the hardest fights that you will see in, especially the ones who are not afraid to interact with it. And Lupi is a prime example of the energy these women could bring to these fights. Yeah. She's but, she's the yeah, uh, how you felt. She's the notch of the UFC fucking MVP, bro. My opinion. Um, yeah. she's a killer, bro. She's a scrapper, and we already knew this. She's great, and honestly, we had her for the dope. Yeah, the one thing that I would say she could have improved on is she could have finished that fight. Um, she could have honestly. She didn't have to like she she would rock her against the cage and then go for the takedown. She didn't have to do that like. When she had a rock, she could have 100% finished Elise Reed. I saw her being able to catch that finish, but I think she just wanted to play it smart. And, you know, all props to her for that. Um, Lupi Godinez, you have a fan in me now, you know. Um, I mean, I, I already just from seeing her fights, I already had a, you know. But Lupi yeah, Godinez, was- for real, like, she, she, she's nasty. She's nasty, and she's well-rounded, and I love to see it. Um, yeah. At least read. At least read. You fulfilled your. You fulfilled your. Uh, you know. Is her rank? I don't know if they're ranked. Is Lupi ranked uh, yet? I don't know. Nah, she got you. Got Dana. Put some respect on her name. It's time. You're always trying to uh, force things. Force things, bro. Just let her. Let the slow burn, bro. It's fine. Nah, but she's put it paid. I fuck with Lupi as a fighter, yeah, bro. Any fighter that's gonna yeah. come and stand and bang, you know. Mm-hmm. And I want to see, I want to see the trajectory of being done some justice. So I gotta tell Dana, like, yo, bro, you got, you got something on your hands here. Let's see, let's see. One more spotlight fight that I want to say that could have also ended it out. Was that Daniel Zelber versus Christios uh, Gigos? Giagos. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, if I'm not mistaken, Giagos was getting pieced up. Um, didn't Zell Huber get like rocked? Like, almost like he was getting fucked up, wasn't he? I, I might have to rewatch it, but I, I thought. 
the way I, I seen it was Diagos was getting fucked up and getting rocked a little bit, and Zellberg just pressure like he gave uh Giagos time to like recover recuperate himself and then Giagos came in for the kill nah bro I think I you got think, it uh I think you got it I think you got the names reversed bro uh I may I might be doing that right Zell now, Huber's but... the Mexican one Zell Huber's the taller one oh okay yeah I got the names yeah, reversed. Yeah, okay okay yeah, Zell yeah, Huber okay. was getting fucked up bro yeah and Giagos was putting in pain, but I don't understand. I don't that these for kill or like they're training you at sparring sessions. Like, bro, you have a man rocked on the fences. Just keep throwing your hooks. He was throwing hooks. I was that's what I was seeing um Zellberg get rocked with. Mm-hmm. But I think he just gave him too much time during the rounds, man. Yeah, Zell Huber, I mean, he turned around and ran. He ran away from that. <laughs> yeah. When he got injured, when he got rocked, which I don't blame him for. You know, he got out of the fire. and But, you know, usually when you see somebody fully turn around, that's when you could uh, capitalize and catch him on the run out, you know. Uh, Yagos didn't do that. So I get your um, frustration with that a little bit. But Zell Huber, you know, what I will say is that he made the adjustments. He so did. even though he got rocked, you know. Like we were talking about earlier, I, I don't think I ever finished my point on the last uh, pod about confidence in fighters. Okay. Zell Huber had that kind of arrogance to him, had that little confidence because he was young. He was he still is, you know, and he and he was doing well. And he fought a he fought an experienced guy in um, Trey Ogden, I believe. And Trey yeah. Ogden just outpointed him and won the fight. And, you know, for certain fighters that might be that might hurt them too much and they might not recover but in his next fight he did good and this fight you know i think it's all good for his for his um mental to just learn lessons like i know you're tall but you could get clipped by a guy like iagos you know and so maybe it'll help him work on his defense you know and, and and he adapted it towards the end of the fight and won the fight so i give him props for that but i understand your point with iagos for sure like you know the beta was And Yago let your training camp no touch where and how to end. It's coming off a little harsh, but like you had that, you had this fight in your hands and you literally let it just slip away. Mm-hmm. But okay, that's that's all I have for my spotlight fights. You right into the main event? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the main event we had Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shevchenko, and I put down Shevchenko was taking that. Now I know in this card we had that was it no contest that they gave that fight. Gutierrez, mm-hmm. yo, I don't want to see any no contest in this bitch. Like I don't understand. Well, I understand they both were teeing off on each other. Uh, props to their willpower to keep taking shots. But did you see a, a definitive winner in that? I saw a winner. And I um, I just want to say something. I want to point something out. Um, I know that Mexico is known for its boxing history. And they are amazing in boxing. I don't want to turn the UFC into boxing. 
So um, <laughs> as long, you know, as much as uh, I love Brandon Moreno and I think that he won the trilogy, the quadrilogy with um, with what's that his name? Figueredo for sure. Those which were I've talked... spicy fights. Yeah. Um, Legendary. The draw that they had in between their uh, fights, that shit pissed me off. You know, uh, I don't want to see draws just to make trilogies. And this is what this exactly. is giving me right now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mike Bell, the judge that countered the 10-8, I, I think there's been a lot of controversy made uh, around the, the, the 10-8 scorecard, which yeah. is the most important thing that we should focus on. But I don't think that we should get lost in the sauce of saying that Valentina won that fight. Okay. Uh, the last round... You know, saying it's a 10-8 is ridiculous. Um, But Alexa Grasso won this fight. I don't think that... Um, And, you know, with my pick, obviously, I wanted Valentina to win. Uh, and she was winning in that fifth round. Uh, Let me just re- redirect here. I feel like I'm pushing <laughs> it the wrong way. Let me just say... Let me just go down... The, go through the fight. Uh, Round right. one... Valentina, okay. uh, for sure. She was landing the Peace jab in. real well. Um, she was getting in and out of space, like I had I said, was a key for her. Beautiful. Um, and then Alexa had a moment in that round, but it's still I don't think it outweighed the Didn't amount of stop anything. Um, uh, mo- yeah, momentum that Valentina had built in that round. Round two, yeah. Alexa drops Valentina on her ass, makes her roll around. Um, and Valentina, that fighting spirit. Valentina didn't recover enough points throughout that fight to rule out the knockdown. So Alexa two for sure. Three is the round that Shevchenko had her back and almost uh, submitted her. Beautiful. Uh, and then I want to I want to mention a quick thing about Alexa Grasso. This girl, as much as I thought Valentina was going to win this, she's a great champ. Both these women are champ. And they have that champ mindset. Alexa Grasso, her composure is second to none, in my opinion. This girl had Valentina Shevchenko on her back, mm. trying to choke her out. Like, I saw Valentina's face change color. She was trying to choke so hard. And this girl, her face looked like, am I even in a fight? Like, she has that. She's so calm throughout the entire fight. She has these weapons that she uses so strategically. And the way she gets off, the way she gets up after getting taken down is second to none. I'm very impressed by it. And I had mentioned as a point for this fight that uh, Shevchenko has to work on keeping her down. I don't know if she made that a focus in her camp, but Grasso did the same thing. She got up off the takedown. Um, So, yeah, going into the third round, Valentina, fourth and fifth. Fourth for sure. I Championship gave to rounds. Alexa. Fourth, I gave to Alexa, um, because of and, and I was very confused by those uh, knee the the knees to a grounded opponent rule in that situation. Yeah, what was um, the what are they doing with that now? So, from what I understood, uh, where did they fight? I forgot where they fought. Whatever that commission in that area, um, they say that a grounded opponent. Is only I, I don't. It's either it's only when it's two hands on the mat, 
or you have oh, to yeah, have if full you have one weight. hand off or if you have one hand on the mat it has to be full weight and since yeah. Rasa was lifting her up before the knee her like the fact that Valentina's fingertips were on the mat didn't count she has to have like oh. whole palm on the mat like like that yeah which um i think listen i don't like the grounded knee rule at all so uh but if we're going to have a rule that everyone has to follow i don't like that every commission is changing it around i see why valentina got mad but you can't let that take away from you're in a fight right now you know you're still complaining to the exactly. ref uh while you're being clinched up on the fence but I fully un- I understand it. I understand it. So I can't really comment on it. If that was me in that situation, I'll be pissed off too. Because that is like a, that's literally like that's when we look up. back on John Jones versus uh, Anthony Smith. That Anthony Smith could have been the champ of the world if he decided to pull a Aljamain Sterling and say that he can't fight after that. You know, we've yeah. and then Aljamain Sterling became the champ off that with Yarn. Yeah, this is a serious rule. And uh, it's a it's a little weird that we there's not like a like I I understand the severity of what she thought that was like what the fuck you just need me to the head when I thought I was legal uh, and the fact that the commissions are different on every every state on that is really stupid and but still no, uh, really Alexa stupid. got the fourth round Alexa got the fourth round okay. still and then the fifth round Valentina was taking the momentum she was her jab was finally landing like really solid. Her hands were landing. She was getting through for sure. She was winning that round. And then she attempted that ridiculous throw, which works for her against girls that are scared of her and unprepared. Alexa has too much composure for you to try a 50-50 takedown, whether you land on top or the other. So Alexa reversed it, and she just won the rest of the round. Uh, So if it wasn't for that, I would have given it to Valentina 1-3 or 5. But Valentina, you made the fatal mistake, just how you did in the last fight. Um, this time, with you thinking you could throw her, I, like go for a double leg on the on the cage and just keep her there for the net for a minute or two, and then you win the fight. You know, um, the stra- the stra- stuff is what this card had been missing, and I guess we've seen a, of a championship in a champion fighter. Valentina, she she was piecing Alexa Grasso up a couple rounds. One, three, five, beautiful. She put in some beautiful work with the and Grasso. She came in with that intent to win this match. I feel like you know, mm-hmm. and she handled she handled the pressure a lot. I advise, but the pressure that Valentina applies to her, she she handled. The best way I've seen any opponent handle. Mm-hmm. I think Grosso could. This is a trilogy. I honestly don't want this to be a trilogy. But, but I think we need to just see Grosso against some other contenders now. And my thoughts okay. of Valentina, as much as I love her, see her I don't see her winning this fight against Grasso you know and some some fights I believe that some fighters just got your number you feel me I think what was if with TJ Dillashaw it was Renan I couldn't come over that feat mm-hmm. 
so I think this is kind of the same situation. Like, Grasso just got Valentina's number on her back, you know? Yeah, and I mean, by making this a draw at the same time, you're like you're extending it to the point where this might become a quadrilogy again, bro. Like, uh, I, I if this becomes a trilogy, I think Grasso probably takes it right now. The way I'm looking at it, Grasso probably takes it because agree. Uh, Valentina's only getting older, and you guys and and this was her chance to make this like a like a, it probably would have still been a trilogy because it was such a close fight. This was her chance to take back the momentum. Um and have a possibility Idol. and confidence and stuff like that, you know. This just throw throws all that momentum out of whack. I know uh, Shevchenko is saying she wants to do it again. If she does want to do it again, I think maybe take a break from like Tiger Muay Thai. She's a nomadic woman. She likes training everywhere. Bro, go to Dagestan and learn how to keep this bitch down because that's the only way Real you're going to win this fight. That's the only way you're going to reach. And stop with those damn head and arm throws, bro. Because that works against these girls that are scared of you, that you're you're the dominant champ. Alexa Grasso is too technical, too solid. And and she's not scared. She's not giving up any type of... Any type of... Vince made, you feel me? That's why I think Grasso is going to win that trilogy. She Not to say... Same attempt, but like, so we're just mentally putting in that game right now. So, Shevchenko did great, but like in this fight, we saw like she has to be perfect for the whole fight, and she tried to do that throw that she's so accustomed to, and it it bit her in the ass, just like when she tried to do that spinning shit in the first fight. (laughs) You know, you know, listen, all spinning kicks and any spinning move you're trying to. I want you to do it. I'm here for you. Gotta be careful with that. Spinning kick on the land. And side note, just because you brought up spinning, I just thought of amazing spinning moves I think we've ever seen in the UFC. By, it was Edson Barboza, that spinning uh, back kick. Mm-hmm. That was just a beautiful move. But yeah, it's not for every situation, you feel me? Yeah. So stick to your fundamentals. I'm glad you highlighted the jab because if you have a sh- you penetrate anybody's guard and you yeah. can get crazy with the feints. So, you know, I kind of now after talking about it, some heat in the trilogy, but Shevchenko, you know, you're going to come perfect. Yeah, because she did her thing with the striking this um this fight. It, she did. She she moved her feet more. She wasn't planted in one spot. She was doing the things that I thought would help her win. Uh, but like I said, age catches up catches up to you, and we still see that ability for you to take her down with a power double, or like power her down. You know, you just gotta be in a safe position when you try to take her down. You can't be doing the head and arm because there's just a high chance of reversal. I think that was just her her confidence overtaking her. Yeah. You know, yeah. like she wanted great. to end it the but you know, sometimes you gotta you gotta rely on your strategic mind. Yeah, true. And, so, and yeah, not I just mean, put, um, I think we already said this. We think this is the end of Valentina's, you know, uh run like as champion. 
but it would be fun to see a trilogy again. It'll be fun if Alexa Grasso gets to defend again. Either way, I think these girls left the division in good hands now. And, um, you know, hoping both girls the best. And we'll be here for the trilogy if that is what's going to happen, you know? I agree. Who the next? Because we're doing some parlays for the card. And I'll talk about this is a UFC. The free. Mm-hmm. Uh, Raphael Fizi versus Mateusz Gama. I'm about to yeah. go to I'm about to go to the prelims. So you want to get these picks out the way real quick for everybody that um you know it's just suffering through our rants. We're just gonna put the picks out, and if you want to hear more about our opinion, how the fight's gonna go down, anything like that, stick around. If not, you just want the picks. We're going to make a little timestamp or something. You guys can just rattle off the picks we give you and go ahead. But I, I do recommend you stay for our analysis and make your own de- decision before you blame us for you making the wrong choice in your opinion. I agree with my brother, man. We're here. We're pick gods. If you've seen our episode, we went like 10, 9, 9 out of like 10 picks. We did that. We 10 and blessed. 1. 10 and 1 10 on our and- first pick card yeah and i went double on that 10 knockout for the main event and what, what happened it happened sure knocked that yep. man out in the second in round. that round so. same round right. and now i'm gonna let my boy say his picks first so who you got for the prelims okay so um tamir's vidal versus Mon- montserrat rendon i got tamir's vidal um the next fight I got Mizuki Inoue versus Hannah Goldie. I got Mizuki winning that one. Uh, okay. Mohamed Usman versus Jake Collier. I got Mohamed Usman. Uh, Jacob Malkoon versus Cody Brundage. I got Jacob Malkoon. Uh, okay. Tim Means versus Andre Fialho. I got Tim Means. Um, hey. Dan Argetta versus Miles Johns. I got Dan Argetta. Uh, Ricardo Ramos versus Charles Jordan. I got Charles Jordan. Uh, Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher. I got Brian Battle. Um, by the way, sick name for fighting. Uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Michelle Watterson Gomez. I got Marina Rodriguez. Um, Bryce really? Mitchell versus Dan Ige. I got Bryce Mitchell. And then, okay, <laughs> everybody knows what my face gonna be. Fizia versus Gamera. I got Gamera. Okay. So, but before we tune in with each other's picks, I'm going to say my picks. Mm-hmm. So, for the prelims, for the Tamaris for Mizuki versus Hannah Goldie, I'm going Mizuki. For Mohamed Usman versus Clear. I'm going Mohamed Usman. Jacob Malcolm versus Kobe. I'm going I'm to fuck around and I'll go Malcolm just to make it spicy. Uh, Tim Means. I'm going Tim Means all the way. Versus Miles Johnson. This is just going to be that I think is going to be interesting. But I, I'm going to go Miles Johnson. Okay. 
Ricardo versus Charles Jordan. I got Charles Jordan. For the Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher. For Marino Rodriguez versus Michelle. I'm going with Michelle Watson. Uh, Bryce Mitchell versus Dan Eag. I'm going Bryce Mitchell. And Rafael Fiez versus Asumi Gomert. Uh, I'm going Gomert. Polish brother all the way. All right. Now, okay. one thing I want to ask you, because I find that you... What's your name? Marina Rodriguez. I already know what, what you're going to say. Watterson, let, let, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Let, let's go down the card. Right. We'll, we'll break it all down. Um, yeah, this, this is why I recommend you stay. Y'all stay and listen. You know, maybe skip ahead if you guys don't want to hear everything. But we're nah, going to have this agreements and we're going to get into it. You know, But we gave you the fast picks. And let's go ahead. So um, first fight, Tamiris Vidal versus Montserrat Rendon. I got Tamiras Vidal. Um, I hope I don't get burned for this, but just off looking at Montserrat Rendon's tape, like I just don't see anything that she has for her. You know, um, I made that mistake in our first uh, first pick pod with um, not trusting the regional scene, the, the tape from the regional scene, but this is too much for me. Uh, Montserrat, mm. she's... On top of that, she's 34 years old, man. You know, she's That's getting up there. Late in the game. Yeah, she's 34, and you're just making it into the UFC. Um, she has, like, a plodding boxing kind of style, just a real slow one-two. She tries to walk you down, clinch you on the fence, and try to apply her BJJ. But in reality, she's a decisionator, you know? It's just decision after decision after decision, which isn't a problem. But I like to see a little bit more domination. When I was looking at the regional tape, I honestly picked a couple fights against her, um, oh, based shit. off the UFC standards. You know, based off what I saw from the cart from the fight. Um, and one thing specifically that I saw in one of her fights, she's very susceptible to a flying knee. <laughs> and <laughs> when we look at the Tamiris Vidal card, I mean her her tape. What does she get in her first fight in the UFC? A flying knee KO. Um, now, to the yeah. flying knee, the first I just want to talk about the flying Anybody that has their arsenal, your potential for knockout game is crazy. Because we've seen a plethora of outs uh, and can make this a second knee knockout, bro. This is going to be beautiful for her. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying that she's going to get a flying knee knockout. But all I'm saying is Montserrat is susceptible to it, so she could just land points on her just by doing that, you know? Let's see. I, I think as well, Montserrat, I don't think her style and hopefully, you know, she... Well, not even hopefully. I'm, I'm, I want Vidal to win. So hopefully, Mashra, you know, if you're just going to, you got to be active and at least commanding and demanding on yourself. But I just yeah, don't see that. have that one thing in her game that makes her, makes us want to pick her, you know? Yeah, so Mira, I'm not seeing she's, that. She's, she's got that kind of Brazilian dangerous factor to her. She wants to scrap. She's not the best fighter. I'm not saying that. 
But if I look at the both games, who's more interesting? I'm going to say Tamirez. And when I look at the way they win, Tamirez has BJJ in her back pocket. She's a little bit more dangerous on the feet. Montserrat, her only hope is on the on the cage trying to wrestle. I don't think she's going to get it. And that's it. Simple. Now to Mizuki versus Hannah Goldie. Mm-hmm. I got Mizuki mostly for the dub because I'm back in Japan here. Japan mm-hmm. got some deadly fighters on their arsenal. Off a loss. But I think Hannah is coming off a loss as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mizuki, we need to see your... I want to say your stand and band game a little more tighter to the ground. I need to see some eight downs. And honestly, I want Mizuki to handle Goldie out. I'm going to be honest. Goldie is just approaching me with one of those faces like a Misha Tate. And I I need to see that going. Okay. That's all you got to add? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, okay. So when I look at the tape for both these girls, um, Mizuki, it, Mizuki just looks better. (laughs) You know, her own, what I've seen from her fight tape is like a big, uh, detractor to his game. Her game is just her length. Like she's just not that tall, but she's a scrapper. She's not scared, you know, to fight in the pocket. Um, her first fight in the UFC with uh, Yao, what's her name? Zhao Nan, Yao Zhan I think her name. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, that girl, she uh, she put the pressure on her, you know, and I like the way she fights. She has kind of like a hunched boxing stance, but in order to break um, into somebody's range, she kind of does like a little karate blitz. Um and she has pretty good range manage- management. Like, she's always just outside of your range. And then she darts in, tries to get you to the cage, drop her her um, her shots. You know, she's not scared to scrap. And when you look at her, t- like, her regional uh, wins and stuff, she gets a lot of submissions and stuff, which we haven't seen. Like, we haven't seen that wrinkle in her game in the UFC yet. And, um, yeah, I mean, she's solid in, in the clinch, in the striking. And then knowing that she has that, grappling game in her back pocket and she trains with what's her name Aljamain Sterling she trains it at um, Sarah Longo down in Long Island so yeah she just seems like a well that could be a benefit that could be a hindrance at the same time I would say for a a woman's MMA fight against like let's be honest Hannah Goldie's a bit of a can uh it's kind of a good thing, you know, like that style, how are you going to deal with it, you know? And then we just look at the record, 14 and 6 versus 6 and 3. Uh, Hannah Goldie's been kind of like a sacrificial lamb to like Molly McCann and got knocked out. Um, she looks super strong, but she's just one of those simple fighters where she's trying to get you to the cage, try to wrestle. And she doesn't really like uh, somebody pressuring her. She wants to be applying the pressure. I think Mizuki's gonna pressure her. Now Mizuki and maybe, pressure. Yeah, maybe show us what she could do on the ground too. So I, I got Mizuki as well. Yeah. So Muhammad Usman earlier. You know heavyweight people. I just wanna state <laughs> that at first. 
I was fat. I'm still fat right now, you know. I'm nothing against the fat people out there. I love y'all. But as I'm doing right now, you know, I'm working on my way, getting my body tuned back right. Jay Collier, man, uh, you know, heavyweights, I understand. But, like, at the same time, we've seen what happens if you're just sluggish and carrying around, carrying around that weight. Like, how do you expect to fight against Cyril Gaon, you know? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? And I think Muhammad Usman, you know, we he got he's strong, he's got a good game. He over Jay Collier. Yeah. Uh Jay Collier, he's like a you know, brawler type, like he likes to make it dirty. Um he's that old generation of heavyweights where you could be like a, you know, obese man and just scrap in there and people are finding it interesting because two giant fat motherfuckers just trying to take each other's head off is fun, you know? Um, yeah, but, like, I just think that time of old UFC is gone like that. You need... No, 100%. 100%. A little more we, we've discussed well that, you know? we've, we've discussed that when we were talking about the Tafa brothers, you know? Um, exactly. And Muhammad Usman is kind of like the... He's kind of like a new wave of heavyweights actually coming in, like the failed football star. <laughs> you know, we saw that in the last card with Austin Lane. We've seen it with Jeff Hardy. With Jeff Hardy? Oh, my God. Hardy, nah, whatever his Jeff name Hardy. Would that be his wife? Um, oh so, yeah, we got these, like, disgraced football players coming in. They're already massive. You know, they got the athletic strength. Um... And when you put it against a guy that just likes to scrap and has had their chin tested a couple times, like the power puncher is going to win, you know. And what I would say about Muhammad Usman with that wrestling, with, with he, he likes to wrestle too, you know. He uses that football frame to his advantage. He doesn't just try to strike with people like Austin Lane. He wants, like if he gets uh, threatened, like he did with Ta- uh, with Tafa when he fought Tafa. Tafa. He's, even when, when he's rocked, he's going to revert his game plan and try to, uh, you know, grapple you, which is respect. You know, he 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 has two levels to his game now. Uh, so I see an easy fight for him. The only issue that I would say, um, is that when he gets uh threatened a little bit, he kind of does something that his brother does too. Um, Kamaru, Tafel? they get ex- now nah, Muhammad Usman. That's Kamaru Usman's brother. Uh, yeah, both of them, when they get a little injured, they just start throwing hands without, like, close their eyes and just do little windmill punches. Uh, but, you know, when you're Muhammad Usman, you're 6'2 with a 79-inch reach. You're, you, If you throw one of those windmills and land, That's power. the guy's going to That's, sleep. Yeah, you know, and hopefully, I just want to see that go down. Like, this is definitely a... Yeah. I'm going to go yeah, out I on the stretch on the lip. I'm thinking this is going to be a KO fight. What round? Sure. I don't know, but might be second. Collier might just empty his gas tank too too soon. I'm gonna go first, actually. I'm gonna go You're first. going first, just for fun, because Jake Collier uh, got okay. Rocked. Okay, I'm with it. In his last fight, he got rocked by a guy. I keep forgetting this guy's name, but he's solid for heavyweight because he has good stamina. He's like a volume guy, and he got rocked right. by him. By just one punch. And I'm telling you, Muhammad Usman carries more power in one punch than that guy. So I might see a, a round one KO. Round two, let's see who wins. Um, yep. 
middleweight belt, Jacob Maluk Malcon is Cody Brundage. Mm-hmm. Now you said you wanted to shake it up. I would shake and you picked. Why would you think I, that's a shake up? I just want to add some spice of life into this. I mean, like, what did you mean by that? But I'm going what with you the mean by that because man. I picked Jacob Malcolm too. Oh. Like Cody Brundage. No, no, no. I picked Jacob Malcolm as well. I went Jacob Malcolm, bro. Yeah, don't switch. I think he's just going to win. Yeah, it's not a good decision. Well. Yeah. I think, yeah. He's, he's more well rounded, more versatile. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Cody, I just don't know that to go in this division now. Do you think he could... Like, do you think he could? This might be like one of his fights, his last fight in the Yeah, drop after this. They didn't like drop him. So, I think Jacob is just the in reality. Yeah, if we weren't even going skill for skill with both these fighters, um, Cody Brundage has a habit of uh, giving up after plan A doesn't work. Uh, like he he had a layup in one of his fights against um. I forgot this guy's name. He he, he had like a damn. I forgot his I'm name. Whatever. Right now. Yeah. What was his last? Dumas. Fight? Yeah, yeah. With Brun- Dumas. Dumas had shown. Yeah, Dumas showed that he had a hole in his game with his grappling, but he he improved it very well. But Cody Brundage, after he wasn't able to really dominate with the wrestling, just gave up and actually got. I think he got submitted by Dumas. Um, Jesus Christ. His cardio just goes very quickly, and you could just see him holding on to positions that he doesn't have to. You know, he holds on to positions he doesn't have to stay in. He gets like you just see defeat in his eyes after a while. And his stamina is it's probably because of his stamina. He probably gets tired. And, you know, when you're tired, I think there's a quote that says, uh, fatigue makes cowards out of us all. And yeah. when you're truly I... exhausted in a fight, you see the soul come out of somebody's eyes when they're completely exhausted, you know? And the thing about Jacob Malkoon, especially at middleweight, is he has a crazy gas tank. He just wants to take you down all fight long. Constant pressure. He will get hit. But he has a pretty solid chin, and he's just going to keep coming. And that's going to be a theme in this card, I feel like, that gives me some of these picks. You know, this guy, I think he's just going to keep coming. He's going to take him down, probably submit him, probably finish him when he gets tired. I totally agree with all of that. He Hopefully he gets Put it all out in line and really try to improve on your game. Well, let's go to this Tim Means versus Andre Fialo fight. Tim Means, again, I think this is just a situation where the the, the more well-rounded fighter might. I think Tim Means just got the the heart in him, the heart in him to take this dog. But now looking at their whole fight history. They both might just get dropped by the UFC. <laughs> well, 
I mean, yeah, this is a very important fight for both fighters. I think that, especially for Andre Fialho, if he loses this one, I think he's probably out. Tim Means, he has that veteran. Maybe they might keep him around, but he's on a two-fight skid, too, I think. Um, the difference for me, this was a pretty close fight for me to pick. I didn't know who I was going to go with because as much as I like Tim Means, that guy is pushing 40, bro. Um, and usually, That's especially like a, in a welterweight, yeah, and especially at welterweight where you got guys with more power, that's a dangerous game to play. And but looking at his last couple of fights, even the ones that he lost, he wasn't getting absolutely dominated, you know. And he's also his chin is holding up, like he's hurting these guys, he's clipping them. He didn't hurt Kevin Holland because he has a great chin, but he also that's didn't get Holland. knocked out by Kevin Holland. He got submitted. Um, against Shout out Holland, uh, against Alex Morono, who's a real solid. Gatekeeper in welterweight possibly could go higher. Uh, he got submitted, but not after he won the first round. In the second round, he was do- putting in work, too. He just went for a takedown and got caught with a guillotine. Alex Morono has a great uh, jiu-jitsu base, so you can't blame him for that. And, yeah, even when he gets rocked, he recovers quickly, and he's added the wrinkle of his wrestling into the game. He has very unorthodox strikes. He's really good down the middle, you know, and he has just good high IQ. You know, like you could tell he's thinking about things when he does them. He doesn't just do things. He wants he wants to be quick. He wants to get in and get out. He's down to exchanging like he he's good. And then with the IQ, with the takedowns, I think if he re- he mixes it up with Andre Fialho, he'll be able to either get a decision or possibly finish him. And I got a sneaky. Hopefully, it's a finish. I got a sneaky, sneaky possibility of how he might finish him, or how he, he might hurt Andre Fialho real bad. What's the, what, what are we looking at? When I've noticed in Andre Fialho's fights, his last couple fights, um, honestly, Fialho was a fan favorite until he went on this skid, you know, because he's one of those guys that just likes to brawl. Okay. But his chin has disappeared with the with the with the amount of punishment he's taking, you know. Wear and tear. Yeah, so he's a brawler. He likes to fight, and he'll get caught into a brawl sometimes. And what I noticed in his last fight with uh, Joaquin Buckley, he got KO'd with a high kick from a southpaw. Um, and then he he gets caught with that high kick a lot. Actually, uh, Joaquin was able to finish him with it, but. In that Team Means fight that I watched with Alex Morono, he was landing that southpaw high kick on Alex Morono. And Fialho, with the way his chin is looking right now and how hittable he is, there might be a sneaky suspicion that that, that left high kick is going to land. Whether it finishes him or not, we don't know because Tim Means doesn't have that crazy one-punch knockout power. Well, Andrew Fialho's chin, that might be the beginning of the end for him. I agree. Listen, Tim Means... I just think he might just try to bait Fialo up into that uh, brawl situation and just try to capitalize from the outside. Mm-hmm. And hopefully he does. But again, bro, this is this is just two people that got to get a, a dub. So this is going to come with intensity. I hope it comes with intensity because there's there's no reason that any of these fighters should just sit back and let whatever happen. Yeah. This was Absolutely. this is one of my more confusing picks on the card because Andre Fialho is like ten years younger too. 
but just with the mileage he has on his chin right now, and with Tim Means showing up the way he's been showing up in his last couple of fights, I had to pick Tim Means because he's just a higher IQ fighter. And even if he doesn't have that crazy finishing power, I think he can mix it up well enough to get a decision win or possibly finish. Bird. Yeah, dirty bird. bird. <laughs> so let's go to Miles Johnson versus Dan Ar- Argetto. Mm-hmm. I got Miles Johnson for the dub. What about you? I have Dan Argetto. Mm. Why Why you got Dan Argetto? This was also a kind of tough one for me, too. Um, I see why you pick Miles Johnson. But it's more because I haven't seen a lot of Dan Argetta in the UFC. You know, he's had two fights, I believe. Was it two fights? Or two, three fights, something like that. Um, And it's been with pretty solid competition, you know? Uh, Yeah, he got two fights. Two fights. What were the fights? Who did he fight again? Argetta versus Aguirre and Jackson versus Argetta. Okay, so Damon Jackson, that's a... That's a solid vet, you know. He 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 styled on him, right? He he showed him. That's the vet. He showed him, you know, the game, the in and out of the game, you know. Um, what I will say is, Dan Argetta, he knows what his game plan is. Is wrestle, and he's always looking to shoot, you know. Uh, but that might be a good thing because he just knows what his game plan is. You know, he he is a pretty solid wrestler. He when he gets when he gets to implement his game. He ends up controlling his opponents, and there's no confusion what he's gonna do. You know, when I look at so it, you think he's just more solid in his game plan. I think that the fact that he has a one-sided game plan isn't always the worst thing to do. Okay. Because on the other hand, when I look at Miles Johns, he's had some uh, lower competition, right, and he. <laughs> And, and he's fallen in love with his hands, you know? And you love to see it. You love to see somebody trying to take somebody's hat off, right? Beautiful thing. But coming, he's coming from a wrestling background as well. But I feel like he lost his roots a little bit, you know? You don't think he got the ground game still? I think that the fact that you only wrestle when you're losing a fight might not be the best thing. You get it? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. So now. I feel like also he likes his offensive wrestling. More than defensive wrestling. Like, defensive, yeah. Yeah, we've had a couple guys that weren't even wrestlers give Miles Johns a problem just holding him off the on the fence, you know. And I think Miles Johns, with his need to knock the guy out, really hurt him. He kind of blows his gas tank early with the striking. And yeah, he likes to counter a lot off his back foot. Uh, that kind of plays into Dan Argetta's game a lot because Dan Argetta just wants to get you along the fence, take you down, and hold you there. So I'm just gonna go with Dan Argetta. He seems a little bit bigger to me. Like Miles Johns is built, but he looks like he has a small frame for the division. He has a smaller reach. I just think Dan Argetta knows his game plan 100, percent and he's just gonna annoy Miles Johns to a victory. I'm not saying it's gonna be a great fight, but I think he'll be able to just hold him down for maybe two rounds, or just score enough points, and and win the fight. Heard. Now to the main event of the card. Ricardo Ramos versus Charles Jordan. Who you got taking this though? I got Charles Jordan. Shout out Charles Jordan. Why do you think he's taking this though? What do you think he has to implement to really take this home for him? Well, Charles Jordan, you know, what I like about his game is that we see a lot of it. You know, I he's had a lot of fights in the UFC already. 
from a young age, and we see him just get better and better with every fight, you know? Like fine wine? Yeah, bro. He 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 really uh he's only twenty seven years old and he's had twenty one fights already, you know? Ooh. Um and he just has this ability to throw strikes that will usually get you finished. And he just doesn't get finished. He 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 finds his way out of the pocket very well. Um, I feel like I didn't appreciate his game as much until I started really watching the tape more. You know, he has a very okay. fan-friendly style, and that could make him lose fights sometimes. But against a certain level of competition, this man is unstoppable. You know, he commits heavily with all his strikes, which the momentum from how hard he throws his punches can finish you and they definitely hurt you when they land either way you know he has a solid uh he, he he hits you with the leg kicks at the beginning of the fight to you know slow you down a little bit he just comes rushing in with that flying knee gets you in the clinch heavy body shots in the clinch landing at the head the body and then then throwing crazy insane kicks at your head just mm -hmm. to weaken your arm like he's not even trying to knock you out in that moment he might but he's just weakening that your arm whichever side he's hitting He's just weakening that arm. Like, everything he does is to hurt you. And he has pretty solid takedown defense and ways to get up uh, against certain guys, you know? Listen, I think he's a very exciting fighter. Mm -hmm. I think we could see something really dynamic here. And against Ricardo Ramos, I like. I want to say this might be a KO win, but at the same time, I think he might just submit this man. Who, who do you think? Uh, Charles would submit Ramos. Oh, yeah? Okay. I think he could do that because on, on the standoff, I think Charles would have the upper hand. For sure. But, again, it only takes one punch. So, I don't know, like, how, how scrappy Ramos might come in. Mm -hmm. So, I think this is where we might see Charles coming with his little ground game and just submit this man. Right. Well, I would say... Charles Jordan definitely has chances, opportunities on the ground, but why play the opponent's, you know, game? Like, all Ricardo Ramos really has is his BJJ to fall back on, you know? And he has real crazy, like, uncon unconventional techniques in the striking, you know? And he catches people with those. But you can't out-crazy Charles Jordan. We've seen it before with his fight with um, Rojo. That was a guy that was fighting very similarly to him. You know, a lot of flying shit, a lot of overcommitting. And eventually, Charles Jordan just wears on you. You would think with all the techniques he's throwing, he slows down. He doesn't. His stamina is really good for his style. I don't know how he's actually able to keep going with that output that he does. So, obviously, with the striking, like, like you said, he has an obvious advantage. And Ricardo Ramos, his only, like, he has very a very simple striking game. And his only success yeah. is when he does some crazy shit. Charles Jordan is built for that crazy shit. So I don't see anything happening to him on the feet with Ricardo Ramos. And on the ground, I don't think Ricardo Ramos has enough wrestling to try and keep Charles Jordan down or to get him down. Yeah, I think Charles was just going to dominate this match. Yeah. The only worry is that we don't know a lot about Ricardo Ramos because he had a very, uh, he had a lot of injuries in his career and stuff. So we don't see a lot of him. But from what I see, I would take Charles Jordan for sure. Same any day.
Um, so the welterweight bout, Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's a sick name to have as a fighter. For real. Um, who, what do you think we need to see Battle implement to take this home? Honestly, Battle just has to fight how he's been fighting this, uh, you know, his whole career. He has the, 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 the length, you know, and he has one. He's got the reach. The reach. A 10-inch reach advantage. Imagine that, bro. He's got, wow. Yeah, he, we just need to see him apply pressure with that reach, to be honest. Yeah, and just keep it simple. He has one-shot KO power, you know. Um, he can be taken down by certain, like, like hot elite wrestlers or big guys, you know, mm-hmm. from his middleweight days. But in welterweight, we have not seen somebody actually be able to apply enough pressure to take him down or to really hurt him. So I think, uh, I mean, except for, what's his name? Renat Fark, one of these Dagestani guys. And I'm not going to hold that against you. Get a losing to a, a big Dagestani. I'm not going to hold that against you. I don't no, think they, AJ they, they Fletcher. The ground game is different. Yeah, I don't think AJ Fletcher has that ability. The ground Ooh. game or the standoff? In either or, honestly. Okay. But especially, I think his only chance in this fight, his best chance, is to take Brian Battle down. And he, I think he doesn't have the frame to do that with his ability. You get it? I think, especially at welterweight, he looks really small. He kind of reminds me of yeah. Michael Chandler when I look at him. OD, the body type is very similar. Yeah. And then, as I said before, Michael Chandler looks tiny at lightweight. He's old. He looks like he's 5'4 whenever he's fighting anybody. Yeah. Well, that's a monster, too. He's a monster, a but monster. I feel AJ Fletcher has that Michael Chandler dilemma where he's too short for his division, but he hasn't figured out the solution of going full speed into the into the fire and just hope you win, you know? He still tries to go in smart. He still tries to throw a couple of smart defensive combos. But it's either you drop weight or you figure out that you got to commit a little bit more at welterweight. Now, Brian Battle's taking this though, bro. This yeah. might be an easy layup for him, I'm not going to lie. Hopefully, we see the reach uh, be executed to a great extent. Because that 10-inch reach advantage is nothing minor. That's crazy. Ten inch reach advantage. That is nothing minor, bro. You could if Brian Battle plays this right, he really just has to play the outskirts to his favor because he could come in and just land a solid punch and break this man's guard. Yeah. But let's let's see how the reach advantage is, is playing out. Uh we've seen some reach advantage situations go definitely the other way. Yeah. But uh if it was Michael Chandler, it might be different, but against AJ Fletcher, yeah, battle's taking this dubski. So, woman's straw weight bout. This is the one where we gotta talk about real quick. Why are you not backing Michelle Waterson, bro? Because I feel like we learn more about each other every time we talk about fighting, man, but I'm not a Michelle Waterson fan, bro. Like, why? I believe in the karate hottie because, you know, she's hot. Excellent. But I don't believe in her game at all. Yeah, Especially she only has now. the only game that I don't I don't understand why her training camp and her coaches don't try to mix it up with her. And I understand she got her thigh powers is on a different level. Her quads is, is insane. 
Um, but you can't you can't go into a fight just only kicking. You know that's the shit that gets me tight with her. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I'm biased, so I'm backing her all the way. Hundred percent. That's, that's really my. And opinion. that bias is what's kept her in the UFC, honestly, because she's been <laughs> gifted a lot of main events. She's been gifted a lot of things. They try to put her on the commentary. They try to build into build her into the UFC. You know, she's an attractive lady. She's got a fun style, but it's not fun enough to have her win, and it's not fun enough to be effective at this time. You know, she's 37 years old. She's still trying to do this karate stuff. And uh, a lot of her fights look like this. They look like you're... Just her kicking. You're kicking the air, though, and screaming while you're doing it. it. And I'm not going to give you points for hitting air and being real loud about it. And, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people are just... You know, they're just biased towards her. She's, I'm sure she's a great lady, and I, and um, you know, she is one of she is one of the figures in the sport and women's MMA. And uh, maybe that's not that good of a thing because she's really at this point. I think she's on a three. I think she's one and four in her last five fights. One and four, yeah, yeah, facts. And she's going up against a Brazilian, yeah. And she's fought Marina uh, Rodriguez still- already. And lost. So I'm gonna still back up uh, a Gomez. I'm staying by her, mm-hmm. but she is gonna lose this, <laughs> and I think she's just gonna get pieced up. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I will. The only thing you I would say is that Michelle Watterson, the fact that this is a three round fight, she could be able to steal a round or two, and that would be if she could take advantage of the situation. But we've seen all her plays, bro. It's just front leg, back leg, yeah, low kick. Hiking. And be real loud and about it. You know, exactly. There's no there's no actual, like, yeah, you could throw the hands a little bit, but I, what gets me more tight about it is every time I see Michelle Watterson on a card, it's like, I want you to win. But I know her camp and, and like, her personally. Like, there's just a mental barrier there, bro. Because her last fight... We seen like that whole three round fight where all she did was kick, especially towards that last round. I believe she probably set the record for most leg kicks ever, like kicked (laughs) in a bout. So, uh, you know, it's just frustration with Michelle Waterston. That's really the problem here. Um, Dana, I don't know what you got to tell her, but like give her some incentive just to throw one tools. I do believe she's gonna get uh, KO'd in in the firefight, and hopefully this Brazilian chick, you know, just applies the pressure. Yeah, um, I I think it's probably gonna be a decision. Honestly, I don't think from their first fight. Uh, something about Marina Rodriguez, she doesn't like. Um, I don't know. I, I just think it's gonna be a decision. I don't even want to. I don't even want to fucking decipher this fight too much. It's gonna be a decision for Marina Rodriguez. Michelle Watterson, you know, this might be her retirement off the fight. I'm not gonna lie. And get ready for a commentary booth because they'll give it to you. And we'll see you on TV, you know, but we won't see you in the cage. Good career. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Good career. You are a pioneer. Feel me. We're happy for you. Shout out you. Shout out your quads. Gangsta. Right. Now to Bryce Mitchell versus Dan E. I think I'm going with Bryce Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And I'm going with Bryce Mitchell because 
I don't know if Dan Eag could face this this adversity. And now, is Dan Eag really like a, a scrapper? Yeah, Dan Eag is a scrapper. Because he's built like a tank. I would say... Honestly, now going off of this, oh, wait, Barboza versus Mitchell, and Mitchell won that fight. I believe we saw that fight. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that wasn't one of Barboza's best performances. Um. But I might just be leaning to Dan Eag, bro. Well, damn, bro, you just let some people down in the beginning. You <laughs> gave the pick for Bryce Mitchell and switched it. Uh, no, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep true to it. Nah, you can go ahead. You can go ahead. I mean, no, I'm gonna keep true to my decision. I'm gonna keep true. I'm gonna keep it. Because what I'm gonna say is there there is a good chance. I think to be a, too much of a, a favorite in this fight. Honestly, I'm still picking him, but uh, in both the main event and the co-main event, I'm picking these guys that are like wrestlers, but their fucking striking is terrible. And it it's been exposed in their last couple fights. You know, uh, Bryce Mitchell got absolutely dog walked by Ilya Taporia. Um, but that's not Taporia's fighting for the belt next. You know, Taporia is a great, great fighter. He's one of my favorite guys to watch. He still got dog walked. The way Bryce Mitchell looked on the feet, though, was horrible. Horrible, terrible. It looked like early <laughs> UFC, like UFC 3, bro. It looked like oh some my shit God. when they still allowed nut shots. It looked, it looked really bad to me. I don't know if uh, maybe it was just the heat of the moment for me that I was just like, what the hell? But Bryce Mitchell mm-hmm. said that he was dealing with a lot of things in that camp, you know, like uh, some back injury or some some he, his health wasn't 100%. I still think he would have lost to Ilya Taporia, but maybe not in that way. And he still mm-hmm. managed to take him down, you know. And when we talk about Bryce Mitchell, bro, he has this aura to his game where – He's just really strong, bro. It, you wouldn't think it, but he's really strong for his frame. And when he takes you down, he keeps you down. And if he wants to, we've seen moments of Bryce Mitchell, like, domination on the ground that gives me hope that that facet of his game could keep him in the top top tiers of this division for a while, you know? Um, he has that I mean, let's him, see. and he has a crazy strength. In that Barbosa fight, he dropped Barbosa with a strike. Um, yeah, but Barbosa's getting older now, man. That's true. That's true. But I was not expecting uh-huh. Bryce Mitchell to be able to drop him. Yeah, that I didn't think. Okay, in that fight specifically, I thought Edson Barbosa was going to take this dub easy, but we just see this man's getting old now. And, um, you know, props to him for getting a knockout, you know. Once you have that power, you have that power. I can't deny that fact. Yeah. But. We got a we got a brawler here, so yeah, it might be with scary, the brawl win. Dan Ige, he has really good technical striking, and he has some power. He has some power, you know, behind his strikes. Like he finishes guys too. But there's just something about Dan Ige and his game that it's like, if there's a way for him to lose, he'll find it. Like it, it, it's and it's not in the <laughs> okay. worst way. It's like a decision type of loss. It's not like he gets absolutely destroyed. You know, it's just. He keeps it close to the point that if one one thing could swing around, you know, unless he finishes you or really hurts you, it's like it's just too close of a fight. And with Bryce Mitchell, with along with like a lot of the hype that he has, like if he gets a takedown, hold you there for the round, 
even if he doesn't do much, they're going to give him that round. Yeah. So I think, you know, and Danny Gay's been taken down a couple times before, and Bryce Mitchell's just basically like a pure wrestler BJJ guy. So I'm just going to go Bryce Mitchell. It's a tough pick, though. It, it could go either way, but I'm going to go Bryce Mitchell. All right, I'm 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 still going Dan Eek. Uh, I think the brawler. I just want to see the brawler win, bro. What you just said you was gonna go with? Bro- Make a choice. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. This is a tough play right now, and uh, I'm going Dan Eek. I'm going Dan Eek. Okay, good. All right. I want to see the brawler win, bro. All right. In my heart of hearts. Okay. Uh, to the main event, Raphael. Do you know how to say his last name? Because I'm going to butcher this man's name crazy. Fasee. Versus Matthias Gomrod. Bro. We've seen the Gagey fight between uh, Gagey and Raphael, bro. Mm. Shout out Justin Gagey. Because that was a sick fight. But we've seen that uh, Raphael, he has he has some durability to him, you know. And he's also not a bad fighter. But I'm just going with the Polishness. You feel me? That's really what's driving my factor behind Bro, this. you don't have to do it if you don't want to. I want to see my Polish brother win. Bro, you don't have to. And I'm manifesting it, bro. bro. I'm manifesting it. Because honestly, this was a really hard pick for me. You know, I'm going to be biased and I'm going to go with my guy. But um, Fazeev is one of my it. favorite fighters in lightweight too. Uh, yeah, he got some. He got some technique. He got durability. Um, it, it's sad that his opponent was Justin Gagey, but like, you know, that's Gagey. I'm gonna. It's, I'm gonna go through Fizia first and explain, you know, his game and and what I think could be dangerous in it. You know. All right. Um, and in in relation to that Gagey fight, Fizia could have won that fight. Honestly, he could have. Could have went uh his way too. What I would say is towards the end of the second round and the third round, he we could tell that there was a distinct drop-off in his production. He got tired. Okay. He got tired and Gaethje out-techniqued him, you know? Um, Fiziev is a wonderful Muay Thai fighter, bro. Like, he's really Yeah, he's nice. got some skill. He's really nice, bro. That's and, talent. Um, so it was a really hard choice for me. And they keep doing this to me. They do Kevin Holland versus fucking JDM. Now they got this fight. But, yeah, let me go. So, he's a great... He has really powerful combo strikes. And his kicks are so fast. Like, that body kick is insane. Mm. Mm. And it's powerful. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, and in the early rounds of any fight, he could finish you. But what I have seen, uh, like I mentioned with the Gaethje fight, it, it, it fell off. And his one five-round fight against RDA... He had really good takedown defense, but I'm going to be honest about RDA here. RDA's okay. version of takedowns are very different from an elite wrestler. All right. He gets you to the cage, and he just tries to force a double leg for an entire round. And Fazeev has gr- good takedown defense with his game, but RDA has trouble taking down a lot of guys because his th- it's so predictable. It's like day one of takedown defense. He splits your legs, and he's just going back from trying to get a single leg and a double leg. But he really focused on the double leg. And honestly, the double leg takedown now with MMA evolving against a cage is one of the number one things that you drill, you know? So I'm not saying RDA isn't a good wrestler, but he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy that learned how to wrestle. 
Okay. He was able to hold off for most of the fight, but in the fourth round, he did get taken down and he sat down. He sat, he was on, he was grounded for the rest of the round. Like, Fazeev did his thing, and then he knocked him out in the fourth or fifth round. Fifth round, I think. Great, great for Fazeev. But one, and he managed to keep his gas tank going by. He's very strategic with the way he strikes sometimes, especially with that RDA fight, right? All right. He'll back up a little bit, get his his uh you know his stamina back, and then he'll strike. He has a kind of he, he knows how to pace himself. Against Gamrot is not that's you're not pacing yourself against Gamrot because Gamrot is like a fucking Duracell battery, bro. He just keeps going. <laughs> like he does not stop. And all he wants to do is wrestle, bro. He's just all he wants to do is wrestle off that single leg. He doesn't care about the cage, nothing. He wants to he's shooting from the middle of the cage, bro. From the middle, bro. He does it's not give a fuck. That's just confidence right and there. And then if and, and if he misses the takedown, if there's any type of scramble, he's just going to keep going and going and going. And we've seen him have trouble against a couple guys, Benil Dariush and Armin Sarukin, right? right? Those guys are grapple-heavy guys. Like, I know Armin Sarukin has a good kickboxing uh, base, but he is a wrestler. But that's still, yeah. He's a wrestler through and through. And by the fourth and fifth rounds, Gamrot was taking him down. Gamrot started wearing him down, a wrestler. So Fazeev, he had that good experience with RDA, but it's not against a pure wrestler like Gamrot. Um, so you think? So what I'm seeing right now is we're seeing a fight between a wrestler and a stand-up guy. Yeah, in the purest form. Purest. And form. you know, Raphael. As you said, bro, he he's talented. He's he's just got that in him, mm-hmm. and his his combos are so precise and powerful. You think this is just gonna be more so? Can Gam- Gamrot like hold him down for five rounds, or do you think? I think round one to three, mm-hmm. Fiziev has a real high chance of catching him, maybe finishing him, in a knockout. Yeah. Knockout. I think one and th- I don't think that Fazeev can do what he did with RDA and try and finish him in the fifth round or go to a decision. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. Okay. He has a great he has a great style. He knows how to implement it and stuff. But I see that this might be the fight where he's really tested, and in a way he doesn't like to be tested. Uh, Gamrot. Gamrot so Gam. Yeah. There's a high chance that he finishes Gamrot. Everyone's picking Fazeev here, but I just think Gamrot. His style of wrestling is nothing that Fiziev has faced before. And Gamrot, in his um, close fights, were against guys that could deal with his wrestling and still couldn't. He still took him down. You know, he still won rounds. Um, he has a sloppy, sloppy striking game. It's really simple. It's one, two, try and bait you to throw and go right for the takedown. But he's going to keep going and going. Honestly, I think that in the beginning of the fight, Fiziev's going to catch Gamrot. He's going to get him rocked. But the way Fiziev closes space is with, like, a knee, with a combo. Mm-hmm. He jumps kind of into the clinch, you know? And if he yeah. does that, if he jumps into clinch chasing uh, uh, Gamrot, Mateusz Gamrot is just going to find a way, even while rocked, to get to the hips 
and drag him down. <laughs> and drop it? Yeah. And drag him down. So I think it's probably going to be either a decision or towards the end of the fourth and fifth rounds, maybe he gets Fazeev so tired that he gets a submission. But I, probably a decision for me. I think his cardio is elite for the amount of work he's doing. And his takedowns are not as conventional as you would think because they're in the middle of the cage. And he just keeps you going know. and going. He chases it. So... Raphael, you know, this might be also about just where, as you said, the wear and tear of of the grappling. You think it will really take... Well, I, I know for sure that in round five of this fight, if it gets to round five, that I believe Raphael is going to be a little winded. Mm-hmm. And that might just be the round where he loses. Even if it's a... I think, I think this fight is going to go five rounds decision. Um, and let's just see who the decision is. Yeah, because with a, a striker and a wrestler, like Rafael is still gonna have to play the outside a little bit. Because once uh Gamrod gets his hands on you, you know, he has his one his one goal in mind, and that's to make sure your body hits the ground and stays there. Yeah, I would say so, that Gamrod has it, some difficulty with keeping you down there, but I think when we look at the level of his opponents. They've been really high level and they like grappling. So it's just hard to hold guys down like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I will go now, this is going to be exciting. I think this is going to be an exciting fight. I, I always like to see Rafael fight. It's always been beautiful techniques thrown. Um, real true stand-up fighter. Um, you know, I'm still going to go with Game Rock, man. Let's see. I don't know. Does he has the higher odds on him right now? Nah, it's Fizio. Or is he coming in as the underdog? is yeah. the favorite. And I see why, bro. You don't have to. You don't have to stay on this hill with me, bro. I'm not forcing you. <laughs> um, but yeah, Raphael, man, that man is nice with it. I can't. I can't take nothing away from this game. You know, I might just say. This might be a third third round knockout. All right, go ahead, bro. I'm gonna say third round knockout. Nobody's forcing you to be on this hill with us. Whole if lot. it goes after, if it goes after three rounds, Gamrot's winning. But if Raphael could keep this to three rounds, I think Raphael is taking the dub. Okay, that's what I said in the beginning, bro. Yeah, I think definitely. This is going to be a championship rounds, make it or break it type shit. Mm-hmm. Whoever lasts is the fourth and fifth deserves to win this. Um, but yeah, that's the main card. Um, you got anything else you want to say? Any commentary on any of the fights? Um, no, nah, not really, not really. I'm excited for this one, and I think there's no way there's there's no way but up from last card, bro. Six and five is horrible. Um, I think we, we, we really got a couple things down here, you know? Hopefully, you know, we see what happens. I just hope this new card that we're getting right now is going to be, uh, I don't want to see no draws. I don't want to see no contest. I don't want to see no dumb refs. Let's just hope for the best with this in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most of the fighters on this card... Like it's either gonna be five round decision or or it's just gonna be KO. So I don't think there'll be too much too much needing of the refs to come in and try to gauge the fight. Mm-hmm. 
And with that, thank you for tuning in to the Combat Corner. You know, I'm sorry for the technical difficulties this episode. The studio setup wasn't really working with us. But on the next episode, we're going to be back and better. So, job bless. Tune in. Be great. And we love y'all.